when we see someone doming or bulging or bearing down, all that's telling us is that the outward pressure is stronger than the ability to compress. And so scaling back and figuring out, you know, like, okay, how can we make this doable for the client so that we have more of that compression pressure, that compression, and we mitigate that amount of outward pressure. So that's really how we want to start thinking about things as well. Yeah, I always think if someone's doming, there's two possibilities. One of the possibilities is that what they're doing is too much for them right now. So like you said, they need to scale back. That is too much for their core system. Or two, maybe it's not too much, but the strategy's off. And obviously it can be a combo of the two. Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix. And I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. Hey, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. This is Lauren O'Hayan, joined by Lindsay McCoy. And today we have a very special guest. That's right, us. <laughs> we we are our own guest. <laughs> and we want to talk to you. We, got, we get a ton of questions. We get a lot of emails, a lot of um, Facebook and Instagram queries about the prenatal core, about diastasis recti, about prevention, all that good stuff. So we wanted to chat about it on this episode. Um, so here we are. Hey, Lens. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. You know, wrapping up the year, things are feeling not normal yet, but that's okay. How yeah. about you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I'm off call, so I don't have to check my phone every five minutes to see if there's someone in labor. So I don't have another birth till February. So kind of, kind of amazing to go through the holidays and not worry that That's I'm awesome. going to miss Christmas. You know, that is amazing. Are your kids in school? My kids are home e-learning. So hopefully amazing. they're all quiet up there. I know, uh, the things we do. So, but today I think this is a really important thing for us to discuss. And I want to just, you know, hit record and have us discuss it in front of people because every, like you said, everyone's asking us these questions. I think you, if you Google this, you can get a wide variety of answers and um, really the research has changed a lot and there's not always a ton of research on all of this. Would you agree? Yeah, I think it's really hard to do. It, it it would take many, many years and a lot of money to really research this stuff. Um, and I also don't think that you always need, I mean, we love research and we love evidence-based. Sure. You don't always need all of that to get what, you know, to come up with, with um, good advice. <laughs> Is sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, midwives have known for hundreds of however many years that it's not great to give birth flat on your back yet mm -hmm. you know just recently something came out saying oh it's maybe not the best to give birth flat on your back 
and you know everyone's right. like oh wow and like yeah that's cool i'm glad that evidence now backs up what those of us who have been to births already knew so there's kind of this balance between research and just like knowing how the best body practices works mm-hmm. yeah so the first question i think we should cut we should start with is can you prevent diastasis recti yeah, and i would for say sure. that um it's an interesting conversation because first-time moms are like diastasis who right so Although get- now not as much because I found when I was pregnant the first time and maybe you're the same over 13 years ago mm-hmm. and I, I knew what it was because I had already done my senior research project on it, but I, I remember talking to even my midwife and they're like, uh, I don't know, whatever. And no one knew, but now do you mm-hmm. find that it's kind of trendy and everyone's worried about it? The pendulum do- has swung the other way. Yes. I mean, I thank you to social media, right? So people are getting their like good education on Instagram and TikTok. (laughs) So I would say that, yeah, I would say that there's more awareness to it. Um, So as far as can you prevent diastasis recti, I would say that, and I I hear trainers promising that they can, if you buy oh, their yeah. program oh, yeah. and um, then they're going to make sure you don't get a diastasis. And I would say that that's really an illegitimate approach because there are so many elements to tissue that are out of our control mm-hmm. and yeah. almost a hundred percent of, or a hundred percent of pregnant people will have a diastasis. That's just what happens, right? The abdominal wall separates in order to accommodate um, the growing body, but, but it be, it's really a diastasis recti. If after six, eight, 10, 12 weeks postpartum, that gap is still there. And, uh, then we know that there is tissue injury. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, you can do everything you can to try to prevent a diastasis, but you cannot, there's no one tried and true thing that will a hundred percent prevent it because sometimes people also have connective tissue um, variations and variants and, uh, that no matter what they will, no matter, they will get a diastasis. So no, you can try your best, but that's the best you can do. And I, and I do yeah. recommend, we do recommend trying your best. Yeah. I mean, like what we like to say, so I, I like to think of it, there's like this many factors, there's like a whole bunch of factors. Some of them, you it's just like birth, right? Some of it you can control. Some of it is beyond your control. So the best thing you can do is take control of the controllable things and knowing that you did everything you could to stack the cards in your favor. It's the term I like to use all the time. And then you let go and know, like, I may still have some separation. I really, it really makes me frustrated when I see programs or people saying, if you do my program, you will not get diastasis recti. And then if someone does their program and they do get it, oh, well, you must've just been doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's really shamey. It's really... It, it, I mean, it's, it's also just like, it's just fake, right? It's exactly. fake news. So yeah, I mean, it, it sells their programs, but it's just, I wish people could sometimes see through that. Cause it, I get it. If I, as a new mom, if I have diastasis recti, I'm gonna, if someone promises me that they can get rid of it, or if I can prevent it, sign me up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so you got to start seeing through that marketing and knowing like, okay, 
we are going to create, and we'll talk about why we want a strong core during pregnancy, but yes, you can do some things. You may not, you know, I just, one of my doula clients, I just chucked her core only six weeks postpartum. And I usually like to wait till at least 12 weeks, uh, first baby, zero separation. I mean, normal separation, one and a half finger widths, very little depth. So her core, and she did one strong moment, but you know, uh, she was able to manage her core during pregnancy. She probably didn't have as many of those maybe connective tissue stuff that some people have. So she doesn't have it. Great. But that doesn't mean somebody who, you know, did all the right things and, and has a separation did anything wrong. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We also need to stop demonizing diastasis recti. We need to stop demonizing injury mm -hmm. as well. Uh, whether it's a diastasis or a prolapse, I think that is a very ableist way of looking at things where everything always needs to be tight, strong, controlled, <laughs> you know, like yeah. nothing is allowed to be out of place, no hair out of place. And while I understand that these injuries can also cause pain and shame, and um, we, we, we also need to create a culture around body acceptance and move forward from there. So I feel like a lot of the, we will prevent it, we will prevent it, or we can promise you is also very, um, it's doing a disservice to our ability to love and accept our bodies. Let's talk a minute though about, because I just got back from the gym a few hours ago Oh, yes, my closed. gym is open. So <laughs> <laughs> and um, one of the trainers there was talking to me. She was saying that um, she had, she was asking me, she was like, I know you're the core expert. And one of my clients, no matter what we do, her abdominal wall is doming all the time. Does that mean we're doing something wrong? So that comes up a lot when your abdominal wall is doming. Does that mean you have a diastasis? Lindsay, can you talk about that? So doming, and sometimes I jokingly call it triangle abs. If you're pregnant and you're laying down and you get up and you see just the midline bulging out and even not pregnant, you can see that bulging. I've even seen it on fitness ads, trying to like advertise a program. I'm like, ah, oh, they're doming. Um, it is not a sign that you have diastasis. I say diastasis, you say diastasis. So just throwing mm -hmm. it out there. Um, it's not a sign that you necessarily have it, but it is a sign that you are not having a good core strategy. So you're not engaging the deeper core musculature. You're essentially using pressure and that pressure is going straight to the midline. So can it cause diastasis recti if you're doming all the time? Absolutely. But it doesn't in and of itself mean that you have it. So I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm doming. I have diastasis. Well, you're doming, that's not going to be good towards getting it. Would you agree with me, Lauren? You want to expand on yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was talking to a chiropractic doctor, actually, uh, the guy who's part of my male diastasis program. And him and I were talking about the deep core wall and how its job is to counteract pressure, right? That's what it does. Yes. It creates this compression. And that when we see someone doming or bulging or bearing down, all that's telling us is that the outward pressure is stronger than the ability to compress. And so scaling back and figuring out, you know, like, okay, how can we make this doable for the client so that we have more of that compression 
pressure, it, that compression, and we mitigate that amount of outward pressure. So that's really how we want to start thinking about things as well. Yeah. That's I how I think, think about things. Yeah. I always think if someone's doming, there's two possibilities. One of the possibilities is that what they're doing is too much for them right now. So like you said, they need to scale back. That is too much for their core system. Or two, maybe it's not too much, but the strategy's off. And obviously it can be a combo of the two. Mm-hmm. So that's why during pregnancy, I encourage people to roll to their side to press up. Doesn't mean that you can't jackknife up, you know, laying flat to upright, but you're going to want to have some core engagement to help you with that, to avoid the doming. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Good stuff. I, you want to go, should we go to the next one? We have some questions written down just because we could just go off on this question, this topic forever. And we wanted to be really mindful and focused. So the next one is about the core and birth. And I find that people always wonder like, does my core push out my baby? Do I need a strong mm. core to push out my baby? What's the core have to do with supporting things? So first of all, we know that if our core is strong, it can support the pregnancy better. So that can mean less back discomfort, other things like that, um, pelvic pain. We definitely know that the core has a role in that. And I don't know if we want to first start talk about like strong versus funk, like tight versus strong. Cause I think that's a really important thing. Do you want to talk about that, Lauren? Like tight. Abs yeah. I think the, the thing is, is that the way that a lot of fitness, the, well, not only fitness, but the way that we view the body is very much also based on like the dissection model. Like, Oh, we yeah. can dissect these muscles. Therefore let's hone in on these muscles as opposed to kind of looking at the body as an entire organism. Like, an, like the whole body is one organism, one cell, one system, meaning okay. there's no real, yeah, there is a core, but there's no core, right? It's just, how is the organism working? Um, it, you, you know, it, it, and so the core musculature, what we are really looking for is to have a core muscular system that is part of this greater system that is responding, adapting, and playing a role in the greater system of the body of like keeping us like maintaining homeostasis, right? That is the function of the body. Stay upright, stay alive, keep moving. And so the, 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 you know, having a tight toned core is great for doing a, I don't know, a bikini shoot, if that's what you're after. But uh, we like to think about the core more in terms of what is its role and function for just all over movement, right? So if something is too tight, it will limit uh, movement. And if something is not necessarily integrated well, that could also limit movement. What we're looking for is the optimal amount of like response and movement from that system. So when when people ask me like, what does it mean to have a strong core? I'm thinking... Um, how, you know, how well are you moving through the day? Like, do you have to tighten up your core to lift up your baby? Do you have to, do you feel back pain at the end of a long day of walking? Do your hips always kind of speak to you and feel crampy and tight? All of these things speak to me of like, how well is the core system integrated? So, so with pregnancy, yes, exactly. Responsive to pregnancy is different than just being tight. Yes. So that's, yeah. So, so with the birth, that's the same thing. So the core doesn't push the baby out. 
the uterus pushes the baby out. And some people will literally just need to relax and the uterus will do all the work. Mm, mm -hmm. Other people will have to push a little bit more and there can be a variety of reasons why, and we could go on that forever. So we won't, but I do find that having the ability to engage your deep core properly, there's a couple of things, but having the ability to engage it properly. So what we teach during pregnancy we call candles up arrow and also for non-pregnancy, just a good way to engage your deep core properly. So when you give birth, it's a little bit the same, but it's kind of the opposite. So we call it down arrow and Lauren actually coined the term up arrow. And then I changed to a down arrow, arrow, down arrow to explain the pushing process. So your exhale and instead of allowing the pelvic floor to passively lift, you allow your pelvic floor to kind of bulge down. So sometimes I will have people practice down arrow while they're having a bowel movement because it's a good way of like, I'm engaging and bulging versus engaging and having the pelvic floor lift. Um, and so having that control during pregnancy and having that ability to engage can help you to do the opposite and engage well to allow the baby to move downwards. But I want to say still like the uterus does the bulk of the work. So if someone tells you like strengthen your core to push your baby out, your core doesn't push your baby out. Your uterus does, but having a good core support and responsiveness during pregnancy can also help. Like I said, you minimize the pain and discomfort that Lauren also mentioned, but also it can help your body hold your baby in a more optimal position. So we have, we actually have a blog post about this on our website about, I think it's called like something like strong core helps birth or something. And if you look at it, you'll look at, we have a picture of a pendulous belly where the belly's kind of sagging down. And then we have a belly with a little bit more core support where the belly has a better angle. This will help with baby engagement, baby positioning and things like that. So, and there's a lot of different techniques someone can do if they don't, if they have a pendulous belly and they're like, I can't get my core functional and I can't get it to not have this pendulous belly happening. So we talk about that in that article about some different garments you can do to lift up the belly. And then there's a technique you can do during birth called the abdominal tuck and lift, which we'll link to the video I did on that in the show notes that also can help support baby finding that better position. But the ideal of course, would be to have the core support itself in that more optimal position. So yeah. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is that it's not that the core doesn't help. It's not that, oh, just neglect your core for nine months. Right. Because that's not what we're saying because the core helps, especially with baby positioning. So the core is part of that system. It's just not the main player of the system. Everybody's looking for the one thing, right? Oh, I've got a strong core. Then I'm going to have a good push. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and it's really about again making sure that these pieces are well positioned and doing a yeah. great job at what they're designed to be doing. Exactly. All the pieces working together. We could go all about the pelvic floor too, but I think we need to do a whole a whole talk on that. 
So, so yeah, thinking so, about some things that we could do, let's talk about the things that you yes. could potentially do. Because then the question is, okay, so if I'm not supposed to like, okay, so what is it like? Okay, so wait, what is she saying? Is she saying, I don't need a strong core? I do need a strong core. Should I be doing crunches? I shouldn't be doing crunches. What does that mean? I should be yes. working my core. Let's go on the I get a lot of that. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, the, the thing is that um, if you were opening up a door, you want your arm muscles to do that job, right? You want them to participate and to be able to lift that. Or if you're lifting up a stroller, right? So the core musculature is very important. We're not saying it's not important. We're not saying don't don't encourage it to like just neglect it because it doesn't yeah. matter. It does people matter. Think that. They'll say, oh, if I can't prevent it, then F this. I'll just wait until pregnancy's over and see what the damage is, right? Yeah. So we would love for you to train your core. And if that looks like uh, walking two miles a day plus exercise, great. If that looks like no walking plus some exercise, great. If that, you know, so Lindsay, you, you see a lot of pregnant people. What do you tell your pregnant people about what can I do during my pregnancy to strengthen my core? So... Obviously, the first thing I'd say is do one strong mama, but um, because you can't spot treat. Yeah. And so we have ours is a five pillar approach and not all those things are going to seem like their core exercises yet. They are because we have to look at the breathing. We have to look at engaging the deep core. We need to look at upper body mobility. We need to look at pelvic floor responsiveness. There's, it sounds like a lot. People are going to be like, ah, I don't know what to do, but here's the thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. Lauren and I have done the research and we've done all the work to know what is good and what is not good and what you should do and shouldn't do. So ideally you just hit play and just do it and don't overthink it. You just do the work. I'm not trying yeah, to but if salesy, you want, but... no, of course not. But if you want to do the work, what I think you're saying, Lindsay, is a strong core is, is implicit with making sure that your breathing mechanics are in good right. form, that your alignment is in good form. A, a really stuck, tight, rigid pelvis is going to potentially impede the core function. A really tight, rigid upper body can potentially impede core function. So, so there are all these elements that can impede the process. And if we can eliminate those elements, then we are looking at a core that is responding to our movement better and better and better. Right. So that in and of itself yes. is, and then we're doing the, the more targeted exercise things, but we're doing them on this foundation. That's already more optimized. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. Right. So I, because I think a lot of people are like, and this was even me with my first pregnancy. Okay, I'm pregnant. So I'll just exercise and maybe not get my heart rate up as much. And I'll just keep doing all my stuff. And there's a big, there's a big thing around like hashtag badass pregnancy, fit pregnancy. I know there's, there's mm. an instructor. There's, there's a lot of people that are fitness pros and then they get pregnant and then they become 
prenatal fitness experts mm-hmm. and I'm not, <laughs> and there's a lot. We're not knocking it. them. No, not at all. I think great. Share the love, but sometimes it's well-intentioned and it kind of, it, it glorifies, it glorifies things that maybe shouldn't be glorified. Like it is, it is important to exercise in a pregnancy specific way, not just keep doing your same stuff. You may most likely will have to modify some things and be a little more smart with things. And it's not that we shouldn't be smart all the time with our exercise. We should, but pregnancy is a great revealer of our crap and our, if, if they're let, and I, I noticed it in my own body. So it's not knocking someone to say like, Oh, you have so many body issues. You know, when I was pregnant with my fourth baby, I had a SIJ pain and I got so frustrated. Cause I was like, what the heck? I'm the one that knows this stuff. I'm the, I'm the expert. Why do I have pain? Mm-hmm. But that pain can be tracked back to how I use my body when I was a ski racer. And I, you know, and I had a lot of weakness in one of my hips because of how I used it throughout my life. And so, um, it wasn't that I didn't always have that weakness. It was that then you add a pregnancy, you add this big thing in front, you add relaxing hormone, you add a lot of stuff, 50% more blood. There's a lot going on during pregnancy, you add it in and it shows. And a lot of stuff shows up. Mm. That's what I, that's what I notice. So, um, so we do. And and I think that if we can train smarter during pregnancy, we can get back to the stuff we love quicker. Do you, have you ever found, do you have people, I know you worked with a lot more postpartum and I work with maybe more pregnancy. Do you see people who are like, ah, I just want to get back to running or I just want to get back to Whatever. Yeah. So it's interesting because when I started Restore Your Core, we didn't have One Strong Mama. And we started One Strong Mama in response to so many of our Restore Your Core people wanting a program. So that's when I approached you and I was like, hey, you want to create this thing together? Um, I'm like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And what, and so interestingly, I've actually had a lot of mamas go now uh, through restore your core before they had OSM and then OSM after they've done, after they've the rehab. Yeah. yeah. And it's so interesting to see because somebody even posted in the OSM group, a great testimonial recently where they, they were talking about how, like, I just went through my second pregnancy with a prolapse, but my prolapse is better throughout the pregnancy. Um, five days postpartum and I barely feel it. My diastasis feels stronger. My core feels more strong. I feel so much better during this recovery phase having done OSM. And so I think that um, it just depends on where they're at in in their life. So, so the new to RYC people sometimes are in the, I'm having the most awful recovery phase. And then some people have done a rehab program and they're like, I'm back on my feet. That's amazing how this stuff actually works. And, you know, we don't like to, of course we do like to toot our own horn, but none (laughs) of this is in the vein of tooting our own horn. It's, it's really that we have seen how much more effective, effective at kind of recovery it is when you are doing things in a three-dimensional functional container, as opposed to maybe doing things for the sake of how it 
how strong you might be getting. Listen, I go to the gym five days a week and the other two days I'm working out at home. I love working out. I am not knocking fitness and workouts no, at all. I love it too. Yeah. I, yeah. You love your Peloton. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm gosh, just saying. Well, I, I think we're, it. so we're not, we're just trying to help create foster we want people to feel more connected to their bodies as a whole and not see it as this kind of um, slice of a pie. Like your, your, your core and your pregnancy is your whole body. And, and it's not like you're just taking out a slice of life, having this one experience and then like putting the slice, like, it's not like that. Um, I feel like, yeah, I, I don't know if I answered your question, but I want to wrap up our our conversation because I feel like we've hit a lot of really good points. But yeah. I, the last thing that I want to talk about, what I get all the time is people asking about specific exercises. Is it okay to do this, that, and the other when I'm pregnant? So the most common ones that we get are, is it okay to do planks and crunches. I don't know. People lump those two together. And twists. Uh, I would say those are the top three I get. Planks, crunches, twists. Yeah. So I'm a really big fan of plank and twist. I am not a fan of crunch. Um, although I do like crunchy chocolate, but I, <laughs> I, and actually in RYC, we do integrate at the kind of later stages of rehab. I do teach crunching low. And I crunched in low. later. Yeah. And I crunched myself in the later stages of my own rehab post-pregnancy to really load that midline differently. Yes. yes. But during pregnancy, let's talk about crunches first. Cause that one's easy. Like why are crunches not the best option during pregnancy? Because it's almost impossible to get that counterbalance, like that counteracting force of compression against the pressure. It creates a lot of pressure, outward pressure on the core wall. And it's almost impossible to do a good crunch without a bulge. So if you are a personal trainer or a Pilates teacher and you really feel confident in your core, it might be in fact, okay. However, a majority of people do a crunch like move and they bulge their abdominal wall outward, all that pressure out and downward into the pelvic floor. So we don't, we want to mitigate that, right? We're not saying it's bad. We're saying let's not. And it's also, would you say it's a shortening move? So you're drawing the two ends of the muscle fibers closer together. It's called a concentric contraction. So that can create tension where we want yield. So during <clears throat> pregnancy, excuse me. We, during yeah. pregnancy, the abs, you know, there's a, if you look, I always will think of like, I think I did this on Instagram, two rubber bands. You think of two rubber bands and then you add something behind that. So those rubber bands need to either get longer yielding up, you know, up and down, or they need to get wider. Like they need to do something to make space for the growing belly. So if we have more yield in our core, it maybe won't have to separate as much. So those people or that when we get so much tension in our abs, I don't know if there's research on this, but I do wonder if those with really tight abs maybe struggle with a more severe diastasis because the abs can't yield to accommodate the pregnancy. Yeah. And so what I would say about that is that if you have a really well-rounded practice where you are giving your core both concentric and eccentric yield and you know, the tightening and the yielding, then again, it's a different story. But a lot of people I work with are doing just that shortening, tightening, shortening, tightening, yep. 
They're also very adapted to a short, tight place. Uh, sitting yeah. puts us in a more kind of front body, short, tight place. No judgment to sitting. Our bodies are no. incredible. They adapt. If you walked barefoot for miles, your body would adapt and grow calluses for you. So if you are sitting a lot, your body is phenomenal and is adapting by, um, you know, creating more frontline shortening potentially. So it just depends on what else you're doing. But I would say for the general population who might be doing a lot of sitting and front tightening exercises, then crunching is not very appropriate, right? Because there's not a lot of balance work happening yeah. in there. Uh, let's move on to planks. Do planks. Yeah, planks. Uh, you answer it. I think, again, plank is okay early pregnancy when, before you are really really like, I would say before 24 weeks, up to 24 weeks, I'm okay with a plank. After that, I would prefer a knee down plank. If you have a very significant diastasis going into the pregnancy, you might want to do a knee down plank and ensure that you can counteract so you can contract your core really effectively in a plank position. The There's a lot of conversation that you shouldn't be doing plank. I, I don't take that black and white view whatsoever because I think that plank can be phenomenal for your core. It is your body weight. You're using the weight of your organs as body weight to get your core active. Um, Lindsay, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think you'll you'll notice in OSM, we do have a little bit of planks, but they're not held for a long period of time. And there's always a modification. So you'll see Lauren doing like plank to knee down, like it's one second, it's a transition. And our bodies we should train our bodies to be able to handle different things. So I think it's, a, it's okay. Um, yeah. But again, there's the modification for those people who can't even man, can't manage that second to just do the knee down. We do like pelvic tucks instead, tuck, untuck. Um, so yeah, so I agree with you completely. Obviously <laughs> we created a program together. Um, yeah. So then the third one, let's talk twisting. Yeah. I mean, I think twisting is phenomenal. I don't understand why people say you shouldn't. I, I definitely think twisting is fantastic for your core. It creates uh, the opportunity for your core to compress deeply as long as you are not pressing outward and bulging down. And this idea that you are injuring your uterus in some way is fascinating to me because you twist all day long okay. and our bodies why would we have a movement that we can do, which is like a basic movement that is also damaging? It, our uteruses are way stronger than that. We need to give a lot more credit. Right. I know. Like I, I'm, we're not talking like the compressive closed twist where you're like smooshing your baby and smooshing your, your belly. Of course, don't do that. Your body's going to say no, as, as you even try to do that, but gentle rotational movements are so important. If you go nine months without rotating your torso, <laughs> it's going to be not even possible anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, it is impossible. And you know, and then let's say you you're trying to avoid it in exercise. You're like trying to avoid all this rotation because it's supposedly bad. And then you have like some, something crazy happens. Like I have, to, you know, being a parent is full, full body, like is needed. Let's say you're like, something's falling, like I don't know, a glass of milk, you have to like ninja move, twist and get it. Like you're mm -hmm. going to injure yourself. So when I was looking into the research, a lot of the issues with twisting are when people had to do a very sudden twist. 
And it's a lot of those sudden twists of maybe not twisting and then having to do it that is predisposing someone to not their not body not being able to handle it. So we are a big fan of the rotational movements, the smart rotational movements mm-hmm. throughout pregnancy. So yeah. Absolutely. All yeah, right. So absolutely. Let's do our I just have one more question, then maybe we'll do a final parting words. And what if you do everything right? Well, I guess we kind of covered this, but I want to say it again. If you do everything right and you still get a DR, and you, if you do everything right and you can still get a DR, why should I even try your care? And I think we've been covering this, but let's like cover it in like a sentence. I mean, you don't have to care, right? We don't, no, we don't true. care if you don't care, right? So that's cool. We, we, we're not here to tell you that you should care about these there things. You go. Yeah. I think that, um, if you, if you bear, if you walk barefoot for 17 miles or even five, your feet start growing calluses. If you rock climb a lot, your fingers start growing calluses. If you throw a baseball all the time, your body adapts to that really well and gives you a good baseball kind of stance. Any training you do with your body, your body adapts to, right? So your body is constantly getting stronger in in response to what you are doing with it. If you sit all the time, you become a champion sitter. If you stand all the time, you become a great stander, right? So our bodies are magnificent that way. They're ever-changing, adapting. Um, And so the reason I would care, if somebody asked me, like, why do you care? Why should you try and care? It's, It's not because you're hoping for one specific outcome. But for me, it's because I love to do everything that I can to foster to foster a great relationship with my body. And a great relationship with my body is implying uh, a certain way of kind of hanging out with my body and yeah. relating to it. I know it feels best when I do certain things with it. I know it appreciates certain input. So that's why I would say it's worth it to care. You know, I can do everything right and still fall and, or not even fall, but injure my back. I mean, you are never guaranteed not to have an injury. That is not the human experience. And so um, I know I would care because I like paying attention to these elements. I love that because it's kind of, it's like you're saying, we're not doing it from a place of fear. I do think some people exercise out of a place of fear or a place of like beating their body up, whipping it into submission or whatever. Mm. And I love how you say you're doing it as a way of showing love to yourself and a way of showing appreciation for your body, you know, and a a paradigm to show up in, right? Yeah. Nothing is guaranteed, but you, you know, you do all the things you can and you put good input in your body Mm-hmm. in order to feel better, feel good. It doesn't, like you said, I think it's very ableist to say like, we all, no, no, none of us are going to get injured or have issues. Like pregnancy is a wild ride. It is not easy. No one said, <laughs> I remember my fourth pregnancy just being like, okay, this is probably my last pregnancy. I need to like, remember how challenging this is because Mm -hmm. I work with pregnant people. It's so challenging, but, um, if you, you know, give yourself some good love, you can get, yeah, absolutely. And I think that we, yeah. 
I think that the message that we try to convey to people also is that we're not, we want you to stack the cards in your favor, right? And we would love to give you the information for that. But we're also not saying it has to be this way. You must do this. You will be screwed if you don't. No, it's just a paradigm. It's just kind of mm-hmm. a different way of being in your body. Um, it's been awesome to have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I love that we're interviewing ourselves. I mean, I think so it's important. Good. People are requested <laughs> us doing it. And Absolutely. people are always asking it. us this on Instagram and Facebook. And so now I can just link to here, like check out our podcast, Prenatal Core. Um, if anyone listening has any questions, please find us on Instagram or in our Facebook group. Post a question, DM us a question. I'll make a fancy reel <laughs> or something. Awesome. Thanks, Lens. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client, or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmamaprenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.